It's time to rethink everything, to redo the rule book, to explore smarter ways to work and rediscover what's possible. It's time for a fresh take on how technology and creativity are changing the way work gets done. I'm Susan Campbell. Welcome to The Big Rethink. Today's episode is about an all-important topic, diversity and inclusion. Our guest, Kurt Merriweather, is the Vice President of Products and Innovations at the Diversity Movement, where his work is based in customer problem solving, driven by creative thinking and data analysis, as well as a passion for giving underestimated and underrepresented groups a voice in the businesses they are a part of. Welcome, Kurt. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's so exciting to talk to you today. And I I love data, so <laughs> I'm all in on this one. <laughs> so, uh, so let's get started. T- talk to me a little bit about uh, your background and explain your experience um, with the diversity movement and how that came to be earlier this year. So my background is pretty eclectic. I have a background. I'm, I'm trained as an engineer and graduated and decided that I didn't want to pursue engineering. And uh, had an opportunity to work at Procter & Gamble and fall in love with business, and, um, but wanted to continue to use technology. And so spent some time on the West Coast uh, with some startups uh, around the dot-com boom and bust era. Uh, and uh, also uh, in that time period, decided I wanted to move to the, to the East Coast and spend some time at AOL Discovery and some other companies. And so the focus has already, always been for me. Uh, this notion of fusing technology and to business, and so that's the thing that uh, carried me uh, throughout my career, and I've been uh, working with Walk West for the last four years. And at Walk West, my pr- primary goal was to lead strategy for clients and also lead innovation. And so, oh, in the cool. midst of doing that, one of, one of the things that we have as a tenant, or had as a tenant, and still have as a tenant at Walk West, is to figure out how to disrupt their own business. And so I, I got the pleasure of figuring out how to destroy the company uh, as I was thinking about new models. And one of the things that we always looked at was, was the way that technology could be an enabler as well as a disruptor. And we were looking at what was starting to happen with changes in society. And we were being asked more and more to talk about multicultural marketing. And so as we started to see that opportunity, we, we look to see, well, what's happening in that space where we can do something different? And that's where the diversity movement came from. It was birthed out of our CEO, Donald Thompson, doing lots of speaking, given his uh, role as a serial entrepreneur uh, who happens to be African-American. And so folks would ask him on his uh, views in terms of what they should do around diversity, equity, and inclusion. And we, we saw an opportunity to do something different and do something new. And so uh, that's where the diversity movement came from, is being birthed from those initial conversations with with leaders trying to figure out how to do something different uh, rather than some of the the traditional things that you see around training, uh, face-to-face meetings around uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion work. And so we we wanted to do something different, and uh, here we are. That's so cool. Uh, we could do so many follow-up podcasts on your opening comments. I uh, So what kind of engineer were you? I just have to ask. What, oh, what yeah, electrical. You... Okay. Electrical. Okay. So I, I, I went come to... from a long generation of engineers, so <laughs> I immediately relate. I apologize uh, for that. 
engineers sometimes are, are hard bunch to uh, understand. So my my father was also an electrical engineer. My brother is an electrical engineer. Okay, so same. I have yeah. I'm like the only person I wasn't didn't have the math gene, so I broke the streak. Right. Got it. So I love that you. Um, you know, you sort of took the technology piece to the diversity and inclusion um, topic, if you will. And so when you were talking about that, are are you saying that you were using technology in some of your diversity and inclusion initiatives or taking the initiatives to the technology industry? I just want to make sure I clarify that. One of the things that we know about key disruptors is that uh, technology is disrupting businesses in a good in, in a, pos- a positive way and also a challenging way for some companies. And so we wanted to leverage technology to be able to scale learning. Uh, so we wanted to be able to scale uh, training and learning in, in a different way. And so when we created our online course, and this was last fall when we were beginning the planning stages for it, one of the things that we started to see is that there is a significant trend toward online training in general. Uh, as you have younger generations, whether it's Generation Z or millennials, uh, that particular group of folks wants to have bite-sized training, a lot of that delivered uh, through micro videos and micro learning. And so we start to see that trend line and wanted to do something different. And we knew that delivering the the same old kinds of trainings through uh, in-person delivery wasn't necessarily the thing that we should be doing. That's not where we were going to add significant value. And so as we started thinking about e-learning delivery, that's where we started the whole thought process around how to take technology and apply it to what we're doing. So now we're looking at not only e-learning and sort of educational technology ways to, to deliver uh, knowledge, but also mobile learning, as well as peer learning, and all of these things have technology foundation underneath them. So um, that's the thing that we thought we could bring to the market that's different, uh, because uh-huh. ultimately we want to scale this around the world, and you can't scale in-person training unless you have a, a giant team. But you can't still you right. still can't get the scale and consistency, and so that's that's where that came from. Well, how fortuitous too that you went online training last fall <laughs> before yeah, I, the lockdown, I, right? Right. It was, this is probably the only experience I've had where you make guesses uh, and you look at things about uh, that are about to happen and you look at key trend lines and you start preparing for that. Usually I've been way too early. Uh, and so uh, we were fortunate in our team to make a lot of good decisions early on. So who knew the world was going to go remote and virtual? Uh, who knew that we were going to have a pandemic? Who knew that we were going to have uh, a climate of racial injustice that would create an awakening that we really haven't seen before? And so it was all these different things that helped us uh, really catapult what we were doing. And we were able to hit uh, the market window at, at just the right time. And we were ready before it happened. So that was an amazing set of circumstances that set things up for us. For sure. Yeah. So at the diversity moment movement, um, your focus is on delivering the offerings and nurturing some partnerships to create business value from diversity and inclusion initiatives. Um, how are you using data to create those offerings and 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 then the technology role that brings those to to 
to your clients? Right. So there, there are a few ways that we think about that. So first, we look just thinking about diversity, equity, and inclusion in general, there's data that's more demographic. So one of the things that's starting to happen is that if you look at shifts in um, ethnicity in the country, if you look at shifts in age, if you look at shifts in mobility in terms of people, if you look at shifts in how we're becoming more global in what we do, it's clear and clear that diversity, equity, and inclusion is a big piece of that. And so we've, we've been looking at a lot of data around that. Um, so that, that was one of the things that helped us identify the opportunity in the first place. That's the thing that when we work with organizations, we're helping them to understand that if you're in the healthcare space, for example, and it, you're looking at a changing population of patients, and you're looking at a changing population of caregivers and a changing population of potential talent and employees that the teams are becoming more multi-generational, multicultural. And so you can look at that data to figure out what's happening. And so that's one of the things that we, when we talk to organizations, we tell them it's a business imperative and here's why. Here are the things that are setting up the, the need to do this. And it, it has to be thought of as a poor business practice because of the data. When we start to engage with an organization, we want to make sure that we're also starting with data. The challenge a lot of times when you're talking about diversity, equity, and inclusion is that it becomes an emotional discussion, especially if you're talking about things that we're facing right now in the country around race in particular. And so we want to make sure that we're making the right business decisions. And so we're starting with data. So we're using both quantitative approaches. And so we'll work with organizations and do surveys and uh, look at the uh, different uh, outputs from those surveys in terms of sentiment, in terms of uh, demographics, getting a true sense of what's happening. And then we'll look at data around uh, talent acquisition. We'll look at data around uh, progression of talent in the organization. And we'll look at attrition and retention so that that way we can have a data-based view of what to do next. And so mm -hmm. data becomes important. And over time, as we start to roll out our platform, the thing that we want to be able to do is to have more sentiment analysis, more data around how employees are feeling. And so uh, through a variety of partnerships, we work with organizations to uh, provide a pretty inside out view of what's happening in addition to what's happening inside the organization as well. And so we want to make sure that we have this comprehensive view of data so that way we can then make the right decisions in terms of what the learning paths should be or the learning plans should be for organizations and how to roll out uh, these different initiatives throughout the companies that we're working with to make sure that we're, we're confident that we're starting in the right place. Kurt, you mentioned previously that you're passionate about giving the underestimated and the underrepresented groups a voice in businesses they're a part of. Mm -hmm. uh, does that come through the surveys that you do when you're working with clients? Like, give me a little bit of, but could you elaborate a little bit more on that? Part of that comes from my personal passion and being afforded opportunities to, to do things um, that other people, quite frankly, don't have the opportunity to do everywhere. And so part of my sense of passion and mission is to make sure that folks who are undervalued or underrepresented have an opportunity to participate in the organizations that they're a part of. And part of that comes from having a sense of belonging, but it also comes from um, data and research that indicates that the more diverse you have, uh, the more diversity you have in your team, 
that you're going to have better results in terms of problem solving. Uh, you're going to be more innovative. You'll be able to do more things. And so there's there's that knowledge and there's that data piece around that. And so as we're engaging mm-hmm. with different organizations, we want to make sure that we're hearing from a pretty broad cross-section of folks. And so we want to make sure that we understand what's happening with folks who may be underrepresented in leadership or underrepresented in certain teams. And to the extent that we can have those discussions with folks like that, then that allows us an opportunity to gather some qualitative data around that piece, as well as through survey um, instruments that we use. We also want to make sure that we're creating segments of that data so that we can see if there is a different point of view in terms of how um, underrepresented groups versus the majority groups feel about the climate in the organization Mm -hmm. and the importance of diversity in terms of it being a key priority. And so we'll look at, we'll look at, that data, both qualitative as well as quantitative, to get a pretty uh, holistic view of what's happening in the organization. And then our value is to provide third-party uh, view of what's happening so that it becomes less of an emotional discussion and more of a factual discussion about what's really happening. So the intersection between diversity and inclusion and tech companies, let's Um, dig a little deeper there. So is there something specific to the tech industry that um, diversity and inclusion efforts can really help them with? Is it any different than other industries that you've found? That's a a good question. I think there are... So if we look at the track record of... We'll just look at large technology organizations. They've struggled, quite frankly, with diversity, equity, and inclusion. So if you look at them versus other industries... Um, there's been a challenge. And part of the reason for that is a lot of the teams are homogeneous and there's not necessarily mm-hmm. a business cost in their minds in a lot of cases of not embracing diversity, equity, and inclusion. And so if you look at certain kinds of uh, industries, so I'll use social media as an example or uh, something that's related to entertainment. One of the things that we see is that you know, whether it's African-Americans or Latinx uh, folks tend to adopt certain kinds of technology earlier than other people. And so by including different kinds of folks who are multicultural and uh, your data gathering as an organization and they're part of the organization, quite frankly, that allows you to have a different point of view in terms of what's happening um, in different industries. And so if, if I was thinking about building a focus group to create a new product, then having a multicultural team is going to give me different kinds of information, more complete information. And so I'm going to understand use cases that I might not understand otherwise. Or if it's uh, a use case around <clears throat> socioeconomic differences, then the way that I use my phone, if that's my primary uh, connection to uh, the internet, for example, or it's my primary connection to networks uh, in the social media space, the way that I use my device is going to be different. And so that's an example of something a technology company might look at. Or if things are changing rapidly in the economy, understanding how that's going to impact folks who are in different areas of the country where they might have a different way that they use things based on what's happening around them in the context that they operate in. So, you know, what's the difference between a way I use something in a more urban area versus rural? Uh, So those are different kinds of ways to be thinking about diversity, 
there it certainly is there's age uh, as another factor. So the way that most people use technology doesn't change as they get older. Uh, so they keep their consumption habits pretty consistently. And then if you look at different generations, the way that younger generations use technology is completely different. And so being able to understand those different use cases is really important if you're trying to build a solution to understand all those different dimensions. So on that topic of underestimated and underrepresented, I um, I think underrepresented and more familiar with is kind of more um, spoken about more often. But talk a little bit more mm-hmm. about the underestimated. I'm interested in hearing more about that. Um, so... A lot of times in organizations, there are, so we can talk about uh, unconscious bias here. When certain kinds of, there's, so there are different kinds of biases. There's affinity bias, which means that people who are like me, I'm more likely to uh, spend time with. So for example, if I happen to meet somebody else who went to the Ohio State University, I may have a bias toward them because we share something. Um, if we have the same social networks, if we have the same education, there's, there's a bias there. If for whatever reason, I didn't happen to go to, you know, Ohio State University, but I came through a community college path. Um, I came from a different kind of environment and then I'm contributing to a conversation. Then the information I might be sharing, I might disregard. And so that's where the underestimation comes from. Is because a lot of times people will hear input from someone else and based on who they are, where they went to school, who they know, the paths that they mm-hmm. um, came through, then there's value placed on what they bring. And so in a lot of cases where you've got people who've gotten different paths and this kind of cuts through um, any, any type of uh, demographic, it uh, could be different socioeconomic um, background. Those are the things that start to impact how somebody views someone else. And right. so when I talk about underestimated, it's, well, if somebody at who happens to be uh, at the front desk comes up with an idea versus someone who has an idea that went to MIT, whose, va- whose opinion are you going to value more highly? And that's that's where the other estimation comes from. And that's that's a form of bias that we have uh, a lot of times based on yeah. the source of the information. Interesting. It, this is totally out there question. I don't know if it's um, something we can discuss now, but is there like a, a self-check or like a, a question we can ask ourselves as we're going through our daily lives? Like what, like an unconscious bias meter to some degree? Like how do I stop myself from doing that. Right. So, so there's, we, so the diversity movement has specific training focused on unconscious bias in particular. Um, So there's that, that plug. Um, (laughs) (laughs) The other things that I would recommend is, is Harvard has an implicit set of implicit assessment tests that you can find freely available on the internet. And so it will, look at your implicit or unconscious bias around a variety of different areas, uh, whether it's gender, mm-hmm. whether it's race, whether it's some other things. The thing that I think is important here 
is that not only does this help for unconscious bias, but also helps for decision making in general. So what you want to do is make sure that you're making database decisions. And so when we come to conclusions about certain things, the thing to do is to ask questions about how you came to that decision. And so those are the things that we can start to ask ourselves in terms of questions. You know, mm -hmm. If I see somebody, do they remind me of somebody else that I know? So based on my past experiences with somebody else, am I using that as a way to then draw a conclusion about my current situation? So that's one question to ask. Hmm. What data do I have to support where I landed in my outcome? So another bias is around confirmation bias. So confirmation bias says that I'm going to look for information to confirm what I already believe, and I'm going to discount information that contradicts what I believe. So we want to guard against that as well. So any, any decision that we're making, and in this case, it's about people, we want to make sure we're asking ourselves these questions about how we arrived at this conclusion. What is it about this person that's making me feel like this? What do I know about this person that substantiates where I landed in terms of my decision? And then having people around you who can also ask you those same questions so that you don't arrive at those conclusions without going through this process of using all the data that you have. Uh, and recognizing what's data versus what's based mm -hmm. on uh, opinion or yeah. past experiences that isn't data-based. So I must confess my unconscious bias um, early on in our conversation was that I had a kinship with you because we're children of engineers. <laughs> And, uh, and now I would suggest from our conversation, um, the data supports that, uh, supports that. So, uh, I feel a little relieved, but I think, uh, we could all work on, uh, taming that unconsciousness and, and, uh, stepping it up, um, so one thing I, I Although there's, know, the reality is there's nothing we, well, I want to say one thing about yeah. that. So just in terms of how we process information. So back to the, the, the engineered you know, data piece. So there, uh, we process about 11 million pieces of information a second unconsciously. Mm. And we process 40 pieces of information constant consciously. So there's nothing we can do to prevent unconscious bias. We can guard against it and make sure that it's not impacting business decisions as much as we can, but there's nothing we can do to eliminate it because it's it's physiological. So I just wanted to kind of throw that last piece out there. Okay. Okay. Um, so the, you know, I when we first started talking about the technology as a disruptor and technology as an enabler, how ha have you used or what maybe the highlight of technology and how it's helped you and uh, the diversity movement move this mission forward? Like what, what's kind of the, the shining star of the technology piece for you? Well, the, the shining, well, there, there are multiple pieces to go back to the e-learning. That's, that's where it all started. And so, you know, how can we get in front of as many, as, as many people as we can and create mm -hmm. scale around what we're doing? And so we were able to do that through the course. And the feedback that we got through the course was this almost feels like an in-person course. And one of the things that we wanted to do is to create as many formats of learning as we could. So we didn't just want to have slides with voiceover. Right. We wanted to have podcasts. We wanted to have video. We wanted to have quizzes. 
and interactives. Uh, we wanted to use um, which looks like explainer videos or animated videos and some of the, the things that we produced. And then we also wanted to make sure that it was accessible uh, for folks with disabilities. And so we were thinking about universal design to make sure that we had closed captioning and we were doing things that were well explained, but it wasn't too complicated in terms of how we were delivering it. And so thinking about all those different elements, we, we wanted to make sure that we could expand our reach. And this has allowed us to go into organizations without physically being there. And mm-hmm. so the, the learning management system platform that we're using allows us to be able to, to do all those different things. Um, so that's, that's one of the shining stars, if you will, um, that helps us to reach scale. Uh, the way that we think about using platforms uh, like Zoom, for example. So uh, you know, Zoom has uh, been an amazing way for us to get in front of folks that we may not have been able to otherwise. It allowed us, to, it, the one of the upsides of the pandemic is that Zoom is an acceptable, acceptable way to have a discussion in the meeting. And so yeah. it allowed us to have clients that were based in Seattle to clients who were based in New Jersey, to clients who were based physically close to us in North Carolina. And has allowed us to have discussions with people kind of all over the world. And so that's that's one of the things that has been really uh, helpful for us as we've scaled. Uh, and it's been pretty amazing the impact that we've been able to have, uh, not dependent on location. Uh, so Zoom, social media, our ability to have people follow us in LinkedIn and other places, uh, to uh, hear what we have to say and see what we have to say and get to know us before they meet us for the first time. Um, And so it's been those different kinds of platforms that we've been able to use to get our message out, but also to deliver the training. And we're um, in the process of launching a mobile learning app uh, that's in the app store now. Uh, So we're able to use iOS and Google, play stores uh, or the Apple stores and the Google Play stores to get our things out. And so we've been able to take advantage of the common points of technology distribution, Mm -hmm. uh, but do it in a way with with the subject matter that most people don't think about um, accessing through those different uh, platforms. For sure. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I was going to ask about some um, maybe some examples of some breakthrough ideas that have come out of diversity and inclusion initiatives, but it, <laughs> even the way you're serving them up are some breakthrough ideas and, and approaches. Right. So there are, there are many examples in terms of breakthrough ideas. And so I'll, I'll list a few and, you know, we hope to be able to add to this. Uh, but uh, Coca-Cola, for example, uh, if you go into a, a quick service restaurant and you see the freestyle machine, uh-huh. It allows you to mix your own uh, drinks that came through an employee resource group. So the group got together one day at uh, headquarters and said, you know, we're tired of just, it's great to be part of Coke, but all we have is Sprite, Coke, maybe Honest Tea and these other things. What can we do to create some more variety? And so they said, well, what if we were able to create this machine that not only had the the drinks that everybody knows and loves, but we were able to represent uh, beverages that are made all around the world. Oh, that that's so cool. Part of legacy products that you can't see really anymore on the shelf. 
And so they were able to combine all those different things. And then that was the began the the process of innovation so that they could uh, deliver drinks in the way that they would want to see them. And so that's resonated really well. And then stores that have been able to place the, those machines within uh, their different restaurants have been able to see an uptick in sales as a result of doing that. So that's that's where we're headed in terms of how we help organizations is how do I create business value from the innovations that are being created? Another example is um, there was a retail outlet in the UK that uh, their their uh, employee resource group came decided, you know, why are Band-Aids only made in one shade? Why, why can't we have skin tone focused Band-Aids? And so they decided to, it's Tesco. And so Tesco released this uh, within their stores. And now all of a sudden you see flesh color Band-Aids everywhere. And it's interesting that it took so long for people to realize that when you see Band-Aids in your own flesh tone, that's an important thing. Um, yeah. And so those are a couple of examples of, of innovation in a couple of areas um, where the where what we're trying to help organizations think through is how can you create innovation within your organization based on diversity, equity, and inclusion yeah. and have a business impact. And so those are a couple of examples from an innovation point of view. Um, and I love that those I love that those two examples, the idea was right within the organization. And it's a matter of tapping into the organization and listening and getting diversity of thought to the table to have that conversation. Uh, uh, they didn't have to go hire consultants. <laughs> they didn't have to pay a fortune for research. Maybe they paid a fortune for research after they had the idea just to validate it. But right. um, yeah, it's right. I, a good idea can come from anywhere. And the fact that it came right within the organization is just so powerful. Um, and that might be mm -hmm. a, a good place for us to kind of wrap up on. Um, you have given us so much to think about. Um, so thank you so much, Kurt, for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me today. That's it for us. I'm Susan Campbell, and that was another episode of The Big Rethink. Tune in to new episodes every other Wednesday for a fresh take on how technology and creativity are changing the way work gets done.